Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter. We got through the Gospel of Mark. I had a really cool conversation last time with Pastor Darren Sheik on Mark 16, looking at the the so-called short and long endings of Mark. Today, uh, we're doing a little bit of a pause before we move on to a new book of the Bible for us. Uh, we're going back to the Old Testament tomorrow, and uh, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, excited to be looking at one of the books of Moses again, uh, one of those first five books. Uh, but before we do that, we're looking at a psalm today. The psalms seem to be these things that hold all of the things together, both Old and New Testament, uh, just the, the center of it all here. Today we're looking at Psalm 109, um, and uh, we do have planned to have a, a guest joining us today. Lord willing, we'll be able to reach him, uh, but uh, until then, we're just going to go ahead and go boldly forward here, looking at Psalm 109 today. So uh, we continue to look at some of these psalms from this, uh, this latter part of the Psalter here. And we've looked at Psalms uh, 107 and Psalm 108 recently. Uh, it was really interesting to see how, how Psalm 108, it drew on some of those previous sections of the Psalter. And so similarly here, when you're looking at um, some of these Psalms like Psalm 109, you still see these different sorts of connections to these other Psalms in the past. But uh, while we're waiting for to see if we can get our guest here on the line. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, we'll start with a prayer. Uh, so let us pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, your gift to us through which your Holy Spirit speaks. Your, your word does not change, although your Spirit always has the words to reach us, to speak to our changing circumstances. So we ask that you would let us focus on what you have to say to us, that we would have the peace that the world cannot give, which we find in your Son, Jesus Christ, our risen and ascended Lord. Amen. All right, so here we are. We're looking at Psalm 109. Um, this is a little bit of a longer psalm. It's one of these uh, Psalms of David. You see that in the superscription again. Uh, so we'll, we'll want to talk about, okay, so what, and we've been doing this, you know, what, what kind of situation was David maybe going through? Um, is there something that seems to kind of correspond to that? So uh, those are the, the sorts of things we'll want to be taking a look at here. Uh, but here we go. We're looking at Psalm 109 in the English Standard Version. A psalm to the choir master, a psalm of David. Be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. May his children be fatherless and his wife a widow. 
May his children wander about and beg, seeking food from far from the ruins they inhabit. May the creditor seize all that he has. May strangers plunder the fruits of his toil. Let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. May his posterity be cut off. May his name be blotted out in the second generation. May the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord, and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be before the Lord continually, that he may be cut off, that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. For he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and needy, and the brokenhearted to put them to death. He loved to curse, let curses come upon him. He did not delight in blessing, may it be far from him. He clothed himself with cursing as his coat, may it soak into his body like water, like oil into his bones. May it be like a garment that he wraps around him, like a belt that he puts on every day. May this be the reward of my accusers from the Lord, of those who speak evil against my life. But you, O Lord my God, deal on behalf, on my behalf for your name's sake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me, for I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. I am gone like a shadow at evening. I am shaken off like a locust. My knees are weak through fasting. My body has become gaunt with no fat. I am an object of scorn to my accusers. When they see me, they wag their heads. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me according to your steadfast love. Let them know that this is your hand. You, O Lord, have done it. Let them curse, but you will bless. They arise and are put to shame, but your servant will be glad. May my accusers be clothed with dishonor. May they be wrapped in their own shame as in a cloak. With my mouth I will give great thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng, for he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. All right, so this is one of these psalms. Uh, there there aren't that many of them. They're, they're called these uh, psalms of execration, which is a fancy word for cursing. Um, and there's a few of these here in the Psalter, not not that many, uh, but they do occur where you, you have, uh, unlike kind of your more typical psalm, which is, you know, calling down blessings. Um, and this one does actually do a little bit of that as well. Uh, this one is one that, actually has a lot of mention of cursing um and and uh maybe i should have said a little bit more about that before we started but um let's try not to to give it all away i'm still holding out hope that that uh, we're able to reach our guests but uh these cursing psalms though that they kind of jump out at you though right if you're not quite prepared especially the way that they just seem i mean they can seem brutal Uh, they can seem harsh and you, and you think to yourself, and this is, I guess, the challenge that we have in our own context as New Testament believers. You look at this and you're just like, well, hang on, where's the spirit of forgiveness? I thought the Lord said to love your enemies and to pray for them. So what is this doing here? And I think this psalm kind of answers the question a little bit. Uh, we, we saw that about halfway through the psalm, it starts to talk about, well, exactly what kind of person are we talking about, right? Is this the kind of person who's just you know, getting on your nerves? They, they, you know, you, oh, you didn't vote for this guy, you don't like him? Uh, no, 
th- this is this is a pr- pretty particular kind of enemy that we're talking about. And so uh, we we'll want to we'll take a look at that. Uh, so <clears throat> so coming to it then, let's let's take a look at it here from the top. Uh, to to the choir master, a psalm of David. So I mean we we've seen it to the choir master uh, with with a number of these. Uh, you know we've said it before. It it's unclear if there's anything that holds these all together. It might simply be that um, it was a, a collection that used the, the same tune even. So you, you can't really make too much of it about that. A psalm of David. Well, so we should be thinking that this corresponds to something in the life of King David. And as a part of that, then, this psalm is going to be one that we connect to the Lord Jesus, who is the son of David, David's heir. So we'll want to ask, okay, so how does it make sense that you might say, in a sense, that the Lord Jesus himself prays this psalm, which is, you know, very provocative again, considering that, uh, well, if the Lord Jesus said, love your, en- love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, I mean, as he himself did— you know how how would the Lord Jesus really uh, be one to to actually uh, pray this psalm of cursing? Um, but before we get there, on the first level, we're taking a look at how this makes sense for David himself as the king, which means how he stands as the representative for all of God's people. Right? Whatever happens to the king happens to the people. If the king is blessed, the people are blessed, and so forth. So. Uh, we we want to be thinking about that. It, it's not just a in in any case. It's certainly not just like a personal vendetta against somebody. Okay, so we're we're looking at verse one. Then, be not silent, O God, of my praise. Um, which is which is a pretty interesting way to start off a psalm of cursing. Which I I think that should kind of get our attention a little bit here. Um, this, uh, this actually kind of reminds me a little bit, um, there, there's a, there's a set of versicles in the liturgy, uh, one that's used sometimes with, with compline, um, or, or rather actually the one I'm thinking of is used, uh, more commonly in morning, in morning prayer really. Um, but, but sometimes used in connection with evening prayer, depending on which hymnal you're looking at, but it starts off with the phrase, um, something along the lines I'm thinking about in Spanish, I'm thinking about in English now, um, something along the lines of, uh, may my, may my prayer come before you or my prayer goes up before you, um, in the morning. And then, uh, may my mouth be full of your praise, which you, you hear a phrase like that and you think to yourself like, oh, well that, that sounds really, that sounds nice, you know, like a happy way to start your morning. Uh, but when you when you look at the language uh, of the psalms that that's actually taken from the, the idea, I, w- I was doing a little bit of uh, just additional reading on that. The idea is a little bit like actually my problems are just so bad and unending here um, that I am talking to God and praying to God from the moment I wake up because I just it, it's sort of like you you're the first person there in the line at the DMV, right? Cause like your problem is going to take like an hour to sort out. And so you like, you get there first thing. It, it, it's sort of like that. And, and so the idea here that you'll know, be not silent. Oh God uh, of my praise, not necessarily saying that, you know, he's, he's happy here, uh, but rather he praises God 
in every circumstance. And in fact, because he's here in this negative, bad circumstance, he's, he's still praising God, even though things are bad. Um, but it feels like he just goes on singing praises, singing praises, saying the good things of God, and God just is ignoring him. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's actually a dark moment, even from the beginning. Um, don't, you don't yeah, just every time the word praise occurs, you don't you don't put a smiley emoji <laughs> after it. All right. So uh, so that, that is verse one. Be not silent, O God, of my praise for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened against me. Speaking against me with lying tongues. They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. So they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. So I, I think it's these verses that kind of makes it the the closest we can to try to be able to figure out what in David's life might this be referring to. Uh, this is something where you have something of a betrayal. This this is what what comes out right. It's not just any kind of oh well. There's this guy that you know has given me problems. You know it says there quite specifically right that they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. Um, and, and what was it earlier um, in verse 3 here? Oh, no, it's in verse 4. Yeah, in return for my love, they accuse me. And we've talked about this before, looking at the Bible. Those words for, for love and hate, again, don't, don't think of them on the emotional, psychological level. Don't, don't go there automatically. The first level in the Bible here, especially in Hebrew, uh, love means alliance, allegiance, uh, loyalty, fealty, same side. Hate means enmity, hostility. So the idea is, you know, I mean, of course, there, there could be, you know, and there, and there often are, of course, right? The people who are your allies who support you, you often feel warmly towards them. Sure. Uh, but that's not the first of all point. So what we have here is that David has people who he was on the same side with, people that he supported, people who he backed up. If they were in trouble, he would come to their aid people that he would have counted on. Those sorts of people have now turned against him in some kind of plot or conspiracy, and they're throwing these accusations at him. Um, and, and then there's this idea of being in, encircled, right? So uh, th this is one of those things that that seems, in at least when you're thinking of the life of David, the, the thing that it kind of goes back to, at least for me most readily, and there's a couple different scenarios where this might have played out, but when David was betrayed uh, by his sons, and particularly his son Absalom, when they were in a conspiracy against him to take his throne. Um, and this is, of course, the fulfillment of the punishment that was meted out by God on David for his adultery with Bathsheba. And so as part of this punishment, you know, the Lord says the sword's never going to leave your house. And so this happens. And so even though God mercifully spares David's life, you know, eventually Solomon does, his son, uh, take the throne, continuing on the throne of David. So it uh, doesn't, doesn't negate the covenant. God still is merciful. But there is this temporal punishment 
or as we sometimes refer to it, uh, discipline. So this is an important just reminder for us in general that just because God forgives us and just because God spares our lives and, and he, uh, he mercifully keeps his covenant to us even though we sin and we fail, that doesn't negate what's called temporal punishment or uh, sometimes just discipline. So just because oh, we're, we're Christians and we ask for forgiveness, that doesn't mean that it's somehow like a get-out-of-jail-free card and nothing bad is going to happen to us. Um, on the contrary, um, bad things are certainly going to happen uh, to us if we do bad, um, but often enough, um, bad things will happen to us even when we're doing good, um, and actually even because we do good. So um, just getting a, a message here. It looks like uh, no uh, guest today. Most unfortunate uh, uh, was looking forward to, to to speaking to this one particular brother, um, but it's okay. We have him on regularly. Hope all is well with him. Uh, but yeah, so <clears throat> we, we keep going on though, because this is a long psalm and there's a lot to talk about. So uh, so yeah, so it's a betrayal and, and maybe this is talking about actually the conspiracy um, of his son Absalom um, and the others who are seeking to steal power from David. So so this is, this is a very interesting situation. Um, if this were the case, um, if it were David's own son um, that he's talking about here. Um, I mean, really, uh, I mean, it adds a lot of color to the situation. Um, not, you know, like, like I said, that's just the first thing that comes to mind when, when I look at this in terms of situations in the life of David where he was betrayed, but perhaps you guys can think of any others. Um, if you would like to join the conversation, <laughs> since there's ample room, uh, you can give us uh, an email, a comment, or question. You can give uh, and send any emails you've got to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also, uh, you can go ahead on the Facebook stream. You can put in any questions or comments you've got right there in the box. Just type them right in um, on the live stream, facebook.com slash H.A. Espinosa. And uh, let me see here. I'm, I'm wondering here, do we, uh, do, we have any, do we have the ability to do phones today? Not sure. Just stick with the email um, and the Facebook live for right now. But... Uh, Lord, Lord willing, our, our brother in St. Louis is uh, is doing all right. Um, okay, yes, I am told you, you can go ahead and call in. Um, so if you are in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also, you can give us a call, regardless of where you're at, 1-800-730-2727. All right, so those are the first five verses. Some kind of betrayal is going on here. Uh, we continue on then. Uh, so in verse 6 then, this is then where the cursing begins. Uh, appoint a wicked man against him. Let an accuser an accuser stand at his right hand. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. Let his prayer be counted as sin. May his days be few. May another take his office. All right, so we're going to pause right there. Um, I mean, the cursing <laughs> continues. Um, there's there's a, at least a few really interesting points just with this point, especially that last verse we read, you may never take his office. That comes up um, in the New Testament in a very provocative way. But 
Uh, before we get there, you know, appoint a wicked man against him. Okay, uh, let an accuser stand at his right hand. Uh, well, now, what's what's going on with that? Well, uh, first off, it, it should be said, you know, a, a wicked man, this idea here against him, an accuser. Um, you know, accuser, I mean, this is a term, it's a legal term, right? Um, it's one that you see applied to, to Satan. That's actually what Satan means in Hebrew, um, accuser, adversary, opponent. Um, so there, there can be a little bit of this idea of uh, a legal situation, which really then comes out in verse 7, makes it clear that, yes, it is a legal situation we're talking about. When he is tried, let him come forth guilty. So it, it seems like he's not just talking about, oh, I just want something bad to happen to this guy, but in fact, no, he really has deserved to be punished, and he's just asking that justice would be done. Uh, and he's asking for justice. And of course, um, you know, it being the, the, the June 1st, 2020, um, it's hard uh, for me not to be thinking about, of course, the calls for justice that are going out all over the country right now. Um, and people are, you know, asking for, you know, harsh uh, penalties and for uh, very severe charges to be brought against uh, the police officers who were involved, um, you know, with everything that's going on. I mean, with, I mean, with what is, you know, being said and what it might appear to be, what many ways appears, yes, to be murder, right? And, and so, you know, we're, we're thinking about that, you know, so is it, is it a bad thing to be protesting and demonstrating and asking for uh, murder charges? Um, you know, well, not necessarily if they're actually deserved, right? Um, by, by justice being carried out, well, that actually is going to, Lord willing, be a deterrent towards this sort of thing happening to other poor, innocent people, uh, which is, in fact, I think the, the idea that you have in this psalm, uh, that David is not so much thinking of revenge, but that he is thinking about, hang on a second, <laughs> um, if, if we're right about Absalom, if Absalom takes over, this isn't going to turn out well for the needy and the innocent and those who are oppressed. Uh, this is not going to be good if he takes over as king. He knows his son. This is not the son who's supposed to be following him. Um, so, you know, is is there perhaps um, some analogy with uh, our own situation and with the death of George Floyd? Uh, I mean, you know, it's hard not to see it um, in there, but for important reasons that we're going to talk about, there are uh, some differences that are very specific to the idea of this happening all within the royal house, though. So, uh, so yes, you've got in verses 6 and 7, let justice be done, okay? But then here's verse 8, and this is where it's a little bit different from the situations that we kind of are maybe thinking about, the ones that are on our minds. May his days be few. May another take his office. So... If indeed this is talking about the coup of Absalom, because there was a, there was a point in time where David did have to go on the run, um, and he was it was hiding out um, in the wilderness in the south, and he wasn't in Jerusalem, right? He wasn't there on his throne. He wasn't there in in his palace. Um, so in that situation, right? Well, who is there? Well, Absalom. So um, for a time, he has kind of effectively usurped his father. Uh, and, and so I think the idea when you're saying, may his days be few, 
it's not simply like, you know, I hope he dies so much as it is. I hope this reign of terror does not go on. I hope that he does not remain in authority doing these terrible things. So that's a particular light on this, particular angle on this, important. We want to talk more about what the New Testament says, though, about this verse. When we get back, we're looking at Psalm 109 on Thy Strong Word, and we'll be right back. Monday, June 1st, 2020, KFUO Radio thanks our day sponsors, Robert and Marilyn Wardenberg of Glencoe, Missouri. Robert and Marilyn made a gift to KFUO Radio in thanksgiving to the Lord for all his blessings throughout their years together as they celebrate their 51st wedding anniversary today. Thank you, Robert and Marilyn Wardenberg, for helping us share the gospel and for being today's KFUO day sponsors. Have you ever wondered if your investments could do more? I mean, a whole lot more. This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. When you invest with us, you not only earn a competitive interest rate, but your investment goes to strengthen Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations through low-cost loans and services. To learn more, visit lcef.org backslash invest101. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. One of my real aspirations is to set my mind on things above where Christ is. That's hard in that world of distraction. KFUO is really helping me to fix my mind on things above, to meditate on the things of Christ. You've been very helpful to me, and I appreciate it. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. Everybody, to Thy Strong Word, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Psalm 109. Uh, As I was saying before the break, plenty of opportunity here to jump in. If you've got any questions or comments, again, those phone numbers, 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. Also, emails to kfuo at kfuo.org. And you can also do facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Don't have to, it's, it's uh, public. So you just type it into the, the internet browser right there and you can just comment in it directly. I want to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, their website, lhfmissions.org. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word. So we just read verse eight. May his days be few. May another take his office. So, Again, in the context of perhaps Absalom, it's like, hey, um, even if—I mean, this is just kind of an interesting thing. I mean, I think that David is praying that he would be saved and that he would be the one who would go back into this office. Uh, But it's sort of open-ended, and I feel like 
it might kind of be, you know, maybe, maybe this is uh, me being punished, you know, for, for my sin on a certain level. It is maybe I won't be the one to take over the office from him. I mean, maybe I won't get it back, but regardless, may his days be few. I mean, in some ways there's a kind of humility, I think in that actually to say, regardless, may this reign of terror just end. Uh, even if it doesn't end in exactly the way that, that I want or involves me getting all of my my power and royalty and good life back, well, at, at least God have mercy on the people of Israel that Absalom would not go on like this. Uh, very different feel when you when you think of it that way. And then also very different feel when you think of it how the New Testament actually quotes this because this gets quoted in conjunction uh, in Acts chapter 1, with actually the apostle Judas, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed the Lord Jesus. And that is a really then, I mean, this just opens it wide to how Judas plays into a New Testament fulfillment, actually, of this psalm uh, here and in a few other places. Um, I'm just, oh, hey, look at this. We, we have our guest joining us. Praise be to God. We have Pastor Kevin Parviz joining us from Congregation Chaiva Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri, there in Dogtown. Uh, good morning, brother. Are, are you doing well? It's good to have you. Hi, AJ. I, I thought I had uh, canceled my my guest on this show. Oh. I just had my other knee replaced and I was uh, at the doctor. Oh, yikes. Oh, yikes. Wow, but, uh, what, what? I don't even—I don't know even what the psalm is or what's going on, but I'm happy to sit here and chat with you. So it gives you somebody at least to foil off of. Okay, yeah. Oh my goodness, brother. How how are you doing? When did when did you uh, when did you have the surgery? Um, Friday. A week ago, oh, Friday. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, Ten day follow up today. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How 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 have you been? I'm hanging in there. It's, you know, I. I had the first one done in January, and now I've had the second one done. I'm glad I don't have three knees. <laughs> yeah, wow. Okay, okay, yeah. So it's just six months apart, just kind of, you know, boom, boom, get them done. Yeah, yep. well, I, I know that, um, yeah, my, my own mother had that done not, not too long ago. And, um, well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all worth it. So may God give you a, a, a speedy recovery and um you know in the second one um you know you kind of already know what you're getting into so lord yeah, willing, yeah. goes well yeah. for you but we're uh we're looking at psalm 109 today um see i hear i thought you were ducking out on me because it's one of these execration psalms yeah i know it's kind of like yeah i know forget about that uh but yeah we're just looking at it we, we read through the whole psalm and then uh we were just looking at verses um six through nine here um and oh, six through eight and verse eight is the one that gets quoted in the new testament may his days be few may another take his office and so i was suggesting yeah. that perhaps in the in the old testament context might this refer to david's um when David was betrayed by his son Absalom, who was trying to usurp his throne, um, and, and there he is in Jerusalem while David's out on the run, and uh, maybe that's what's going on. There's some kind of betrayal there, um, but in the New Testament, it gets applied to Judas, and this is very interesting because uh, you could say, and this is an interesting way of thinking about the betrayal of Judas, that Judas is trying to usurp the position of the Lord Jesus, and I don't think we typically think of it that way, that that Judas is trying to become the Messiah. Um, 
but maybe that's maybe that's not actually an invalid way of looking at it. Um, but yeah, what what do you think about you know how this this maps out between the Old Testament situation to the New Testament situation, and, and how this is quoted and used in Acts chapter one? Well, I, I mean, um, for me, <clears throat> and I don't certainly would not presume to to uh, contest what you might think, but. Um, you know, Absalom was trying to usurp David as king, right? Right. And I, in many ways, you know, when we think about the betrayal of Judas, and I always struggle with that because, you know, clearly God's plan of salvation was going to be right. followed regardless. I mean, he didn't need Judas to betray Jesus in order for Jesus to be betrayed, right? Right, right. So, but in some ways, I think Judas was usurping God the Father's position, the King of the Universe, hmm. by trying to change the plan, hmm. by trying to push the plan, and uh, you know, a lot of people think that Judas was, you know, he was a zealot, and so he was trying to push the earthly kingdom, uh, trying to push Jesus into doing what Jesus should have done in the first place, right? Hmm. Which is overthrow Rome and set up the, the throne of David again. But, uh, I mean, God the Father is the one that puts this plan in place, and Judas doesn't have any trust in it. Probably doesn't have any understanding in it. I mean, let's be honest. The disciples didn't get much until after Jesus' resurrection. Right. They, they, all, they all had diff, very different ideas of what being yeah. the Messiah meant. Well, right. and, that's, and, that's, and that's interesting to consider just, you know, what was Judas's take on what it, what it means to, to be Messiah, right? Because, I mean, he, he goes and he, he betrays the Lord Jesus, and it, it's interesting the, the way that he does it and the, and the timing, right? Um, you know, in the Gospels, there's this—they they point they don't talk a lot about this, but they, they say—they give us a few details that, one, he was the, the one who had the, the money bag, so he's the treasurer, um, right. which— you know, in, in most um, contexts, and especially in an Old Testament context, that's a pretty high-ranking position. So maybe he's not, you know, uh, Peter, James, and John, but, yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he's up there. Um, trusted, you know, certainly. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. So, so he has a position of authority even within the Twelve, and the, the confrontation seems to deal, at least, at least the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back, um, is, is when— Presumably, Mary of Bethany goes and anoints him for the, you know, nth time, and it's like, hey, what's going on here? This money could have been sold and given to the poor. Now, of course, John yeah. says he's just saying that he doesn't care, you know. But but is there is there a sense in which Judas is maybe saying, hey, you know, what I think the Messiah is is about is really we're, we're helping out the poor, we're doing social justice stuff. You know, and, and and the thing is, the way that, that Jesus is doing this, I mean, hey, you know, making—because we got to remember, like, th that event that was just a couple days before the Passover, I mean, that—all all of those events, uh, the Lord Jesus was coming into Jerusalem and making a big splash. People were calling him the Son of David. Everyone's, uh, you know, waving around palm branches, and, and there's this, like, parade. And so there's there's a situation where— it looks like this could go big. I mean, it looks yeah, like just yeah. just say the word, and you know, you've got yourself an army. Could it be actually on the other hand that Judas is saying, "Hey, why don't we keep a low profile 
and that way we can keep doing good and we can you know keep uh you know keep keep, keep things okay with the romans but we can still you know kind of do things nice and spiritual and you know just kind of you know go along and get along and we can still you know help out the little guy yeah, I actually never considered that. I, um, I've always figured that Judas was trying to push the zealot agenda, which was the overthrow of Rome. And I, I think he yeah. thought, I've always thought, he thought Jesus had a lot more power that he could display. And if he pushed him enough by sending, mm. by betraying him and sending the soldiers after him, mm. he would, it would push his hand to start the revolution. Interesting. But, I mean, it could go either way. Of course, with David and Absalom, it's really sad. Obviously, David is writing this imprecatory psalm, uh, perhaps against Absalom, uh, and uh, and yet with Jesus, if I mean, Judas was such a tragic character because when he saw what he had done, he was crushed, and he went to the priest to return the money and did not get any pastoral care. I mean, their pastoral care was what is that right. to us? And so he goes out and hangs himself. And I'm convinced that he would have just gone to the risen Lord Jesus. They wouldn't have needed Mattathias. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. Jesus would have forgiven him as he did Peter, and he would have become the apostle that he was meant to be. But, you know, it was really a lack of pastoral care on Judas's, on the priest's part that Judas went and killed himself. He was so crushed. I think that's a really interesting insight there, just that, you know, you have people who are crushed in despair or who do not know which way to go, and they need, as you were saying, pastoral care guidance, right, shepherding. And when people don't get that, the results are tragic. And the takeaway from the story of Judas should not be that, oh, well, Judas was just fated to do this. You said it well. It's not as if God needed Judas to do this. Um, we, we talked about, uh, I think it was last week even, that we talked about how in, in many ways you look at the, the trial um, there, especially before Pilate, and a lot of the blame is actually laid there at the high priest, and that, you know, in many ways, you read the Gospels, it's sort of like the high priest was going to find a way to get him, kind of regardless of whether it was Judas or somebody else. Yeah, um, just, yeah. Just a, just, right, just, just a matter of time, and so... Uh, and, and of course, certainly the high priest later will find a way to get rid of James um, eventually, right? The first bishop of Jerusalem. So, uh, so that idea of looking at office here, right? Um, you know, here in the Old Testament context, there's a problem because you've got a, a bad guy in um, in office, this usurper, right, who's kicked out David. Um, and then yeah. in in the in the New Testament situation, well, it's not as if Judas was. Uh, you know, calling the shots and leading the 12 or something like that. Uh, but you did have a situation where now the high priest actually was, had, had, you know, seized the upper hand, right, had had gotten this moment, and now was the one who, uh, what was, was in, in effect calling the shots and, and offering Jesus, our Lord, to the Romans. And then, as you were saying, um, because of this bad administration and this bad conduct of the office— uh, failing to guide souls like Judas uh, to repentance and, and to mercy and grace and, and forgiveness, and so I mean that just, that just shows you the, the calamitous the, the calamitous consequences here, and why David or even the Lord Jesus would would call for an end of this office that that this office cannot continue because it's destroying souls, people are are suffering because of the corruption that's in power. 
Yeah, whenever I have to preach the, the texts about uh, the, the shepherds who are faithful and how they will get their reward, I always pray, Lord, let me be faithful. I, I don't want to be one of those unfaithful shepherds. And, and I think it's also important to point out, because whenever we talk about Judas, for some reason, we get it into our heads and we start to talk about the things that happened to Jesus. Nobody did anything to Jesus. Jesus himself said, don't you think I could call 12 legions of angels to attend me if I needed them? I mean, Jesus allowed all of this to happen. Of course. So, yeah. right. I just think uh, I mean, we get it into our heads wrongly when we, when we think about Judas and the betrayal and all that stuff. We think about the horrible things that happened to Jesus. And, and Jesus didn't let anything happen that he didn't in, intend. Well, and that's an interesting thing to then consider and kind of take back actually into the Old Testament context. Um, and I was looking at a comment here on Facebook. Um, you know, I wonder, you know, to what extent that actually kind of goes back even to the situation with David that, you know, it's not as if the Lord Jesus, um, you know, like was forced into a corner by Judas and all this happened to him, like you said. No, um, you know, this was all happening. And and actually, I think because of the perspective, and it's interesting the way the Lord speaks to Judas about this, you know, like, hey, what you're doing, do quickly, things like do that. Um, you know, it's not as if the Lord Jesus has, you know, this really bad, bitter feeling towards Judas, and he could have, he would have never forgiven him, you know, if, if uh, Judas had ever asked. Well, well, no, I mean, it's just he, he knows, you know, what, what's happening, and I think in many ways he, I mean, he, he pities Judas yeah. for what's going on, and and like you said, he he could have you know had Peter, I mean like execute him there in Gethsemane, but I mean he doesn't. So you you wonder to what extent too David is, uh, you know maybe he didn't actually have to like leave town and go hide in the wilderness. He could have maybe engaged in a you know straightforward bloody battle with Absalom, but to what extent because he pities him actually he doesn't do that, and here he is asking for God to to execute vengeance because he himself did not want to do it um you know because of his own pity and he does that so often even earlier with saul i mean he would often have opportunity to kill saul when saul was clearly coming out to kill him and he just says who am i to lay my hand on the lord's anointed and and so he allows god to make sure you know and yeah david vacillates all the time between the confidence of the one who is given the crown and the fear of the one whose life is in danger. But, um, but, but David's MO is often, uh, I, you know, it's not, it's not my hand who is responsible to deal with this Lord. It's yours. So you deal with it. Well, that, and I think that that really actually, that, that line really then brings us back into our own contemporary situation here. Uh, because, yeah, when you read this thing, because then you go into like verse 9 and verse 10, which we all read, uh, and it seems so harsh, right? You know, his yeah. children, you know, be fatherless, his wife a widow. I, I mean, I mean, that's, I mean, of course, it's just kind of elaborating on, you know, may may his days be few. But, I mean, you know, it's just kind of fleshed oh. out in, in a very you know, vivid way that, you know, may the creditor seize all that he has and all this. I mean, I mean, all of this is you know, basically just spelling out this is what would happen if the if the father of this household die. Um, but, but even then in verse 12, right, you know, let there be none to extend kindness to him, nor any to pity his fatherless children. I mean, now that seems, you know, just 
just kind of like really, you know, harsh. But as we said, in the context of, um, you know, an office, well, you don't want, right, Absalom um, to die, but then just to have Absalom Jr. take over and and come into power. Because, I mean, how much worse is this guy going to be? Right now he's bitter about the death of his father, and he's going to try to follow in his father's footsteps, which is already a very bad start for Israel. So now you've got, you know, we got rid of the one bad king, and now it's an even worse king. So, I mean, I think that when you put that into the context here, you know, verse 13, may his posterity be cut off. There's a really important reason why the posterity needs to be cut off, not not because David just hates his guts I mean, it's his own son, if, if, if we're right about it being Absalom. Uh, but what we're talking, right, uh, about is actually that Israel would be spared from this. And so it's a very different sort of thing than when then we're taking a look at this and saying, huh, okay, it, it's not just cursing because he's angry. It, it's cursing because he's, he's trying to—he's asking that God would protect uh, the innocent people who are going to suffer under this rule and this administration. And so I think when we think about our own situation and the tragic death— of George Floyd, and, and people are talking about, you know, like we need certain charges and, and we need, you know, um, you know, really swift um, and, you know, severe punishment. I mean, I, I think, you know, that there can be a way where that becomes bloodthirsty or, or just, you know, uh, it's, it's an impetus to the spirit of violence. But there is a sense in which, you know, are, are we, are, may, maybe we do actually call for harsh justice because, we we don't want this this rule or this authority to continue, right? This this reign of terror. This yeah. Uh, why, why does this just keep happening, right? I mean, like you don't want God to just okay. We got rid of the the one guy who happened to be in this office, but now someone worse comes in, right? Or someone just as bad. It, you, you need the office to be uh, to be purged to be to be made clean. And the sad part in the Floyd George situation, of course, is that God has given, you know, the the sword to government in order to uh, to to bring justice and to defend. And the government has, and uh, in, in representatives thereof, have often used that sword to intimidate and to kill. And the the, the sword needs to be applied to the government. And and in many ways, all we can do, like David and is to cry out to God, God, you know, show us your justice. Well, and see, and that's the interesting thing, though, right? I mean, so David, perhaps, and certainly, of course, as you said, the Lord Jesus, certainly could have confronted his betrayer directly. I mean, he could have killed his betrayer. I mean, isn't isn't that something? That's right, that's right. So he he doesn't do it, though. He doesn't, and, and so and so David here, right? Instead of saying, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take matters in my own hands, and you know, he he gets a he gets his sword, and he says, you know, Absalom, you've gone too far, enough's enough, right? No, he's there praying that God would do it. I mean, right. that's a different kind of response. I mean, because we're seeing that here, you know, in the midst of yes, um, what what seems to be a terrible miscarriage of justice, um, and possibly even murder. Um, you know, we'll, we'll let we'll let our, our our courts and let all this be you know sorted out. Let's not rush to to swift judgment. I I wasn't there, so I'm not going to, um, you know. And I honestly have not even uh, read nearly enough to even try to give like some kind of armchair uh, verdict right. on everything. Uh, but you know, th- there's there's the thing, right? Um, you know, are are we gonna 
try to take matters into our own hands and we're going to say, you know what, we're going to, you know, the system is corrupt, so we're going to topple the system through violence? Or are we going to pray that God would deal with this unjust system? And so if, if the choices are, you know, we, we, we violently take action into our own hands as zealots, or uh, we, we pray a, a cursing psalm where we ask that God would would continue to be the one who's in charge and that he would execute justice. Well, the cursing psalm seems pretty good when you stack them up that way. <laughs> yeah, I've often thought that with the imprecatory psalms is that, you know, we can succumb, and I just, we're finishing up a Bible study in Galatians in our congregation, and we just did the fruits of the flesh versus the fruits of the Spirit. We can always let our flesh overcome and react in anger and violence. Uh, but it's more important, and Paul makes this very clear, not to allow that to happen, but to live in love. And and so, in many ways, the the Psalms of David that seem so cursing are really Psalms of love, but it's love for God and letting God deal with what needs to be dealt with. That's right. So, I mean, in, in the end, it ends up being a prayer of, not my will, but your will. I'm I'm not the king. You are ultimately the king. Um, you know th- this sword that you gave me. Well, it's really your sword. I, I mean, there there is a lot of humility in this that you know it, it's easy to overlook and you don't want to like misapply. So uh, just, we only have maybe five minutes here. So kind of then looking at this at this next section, it's interesting the the way that this this language, this metaphor develops into a kind of, it's a clothing metaphor. Um, it's explaining here in verse 16, okay, so, so what, was, what was so bad? What's so bad about Absalom? Um, you know, for he did not remember to show kindness, but pursued the poor and needy and the brokenhearted to put them to death. So, I, I mean, it's not simply just that, you know, th- this guy is a bad guy because, oh, he kicked me out and I don't get to live in my palace anymore. I mean, he, this is an unjust and, and corrupt kind of administration here. And, and, that, and that's important to see that this is, this is no just personal grudge. And furthermore, verse 15, uh, 17, rather, he loved to curse, let curses come upon him. And, and, and I think that that's, that's really, really key here because this is, this is not as if, well, you know what, maybe he just needs some pastoral counseling here and he'll turn his ways around. Uh, no, no, he is actively seeking out to curse and to destroy and to condemn. Uh, he, he's he's cut himself off from the possibility of forgiveness. Uh, so I mean, the only way he's going to be stopped at this point is to just actually have all these curses that are just surrounding him go back onto himself because it's just, well, the, the curses are just flying. So it's like, may they not go and hurt innocent people. May they go back on him. I, I mean, like, I think you got to read this situation as saying, uh, th- this is David, you know, after he has already prayed for his son to repent. After he has already yeah. prayed, you know, God forgive him. He does not know what he does, um, as our Lord prayed on the cross. Um, th- this is this is after all those things where it's just, hey, you know what, God, may may you just bring this to an end. And, and in that way— um, you do see that, I believe, actually, even in the Lord Jesus, where uh, you see, yeah, he's saying, you know what, this temple is going to be destroyed, um, that, which you know means, of course, the not only the end of the temple, but the end of the corrupt uh, Jerusalem establishment, which includes the high priesthood, which had yep, become and corrupt. I'm not, and I'm not the one that's going to do it. That will happen by God's hand. 
Exactly. You know, and yeah. so and so there he is. And I think I think in many ways, uh, this is actually where you see the parallel to the Lord Jesus, where he's saying, you know, he's looking at that high priest and he's like, I'm not going to show you disrespect. Uh, I'm not going to take up violence against you. But my God is going to bring this to an end. And yeah. in, in, in that way, and not because he had a grudge against him or because he was envious, but because it was uh, it was the murder of souls. It was no spiritual shepherding for God's people. And, and and what I love about that, the destruction of the temple, is he says, destroy this temple. In other words, you will destroy this temple. That's right. But I will raise, I will raise it in three days. And so, and so what is that except for their own curses come yep. back around at them, right? I mean, isn't, isn't, yep. that, isn't that amazing that in, in some ways the resurrection of the Lord Jesus um, and, and the ascension is, is sort of like, it's like the crucifixion almost rebounds, Right, you've got this, the the forces of darkness that try to crucify the Lord Jesus, and instead, it's the forces of darkness that are crucified. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean which, 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 and of course, there's a literal way which that that's just very true. That when the temple's actually destroyed, um, there are many more crucifixions um, by those who sought violence. So I, I think that idea of clothing, of kind of wrapping around, of coming back on towards you. Right, that kind of that rebound, or you know, what, what we always get this line when, whenever we talk the the hoist on his own petard, right? So it, it, yeah, it's not right. it's not it's not a really a revenge thing. It's not really a taking up arms and violence thing. Um, it's that God would, as as a last resort, just save the innocent by letting the evil have their own evil come upon them. Uh, just maybe like 15, 20 seconds here, but yeah, just, uh, I don't know, any, any clothing, uh, clo- clothing, closing thoughts here uh, on Psalm 109. I mean, these days in my head, when I think of things wrapping around, I'm, I'm thinking Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner. So if that's a closing thought, we'll leave it at that. But you know, uh, people, people who seek evil will have evil poured upon their heads. Uh, that, that's right, and it really is. Again, like it says in the verse, uh, final verse there, right? It's it's for the sake of the needy to save him, as our Lord Jesus did through His own death and resurrection. Thank you, brother. Good to hear your voice. Thank God you. bless good you. To, good to hear you. Yeah, talk to you later. Sorry, I was so late. <laughs> good to hear you. In any You've case, everybody, Pastor Kevin Parviz at Chaya Shalom in St. Louis, Missouri, moving back on to the Old Testament. Check it out. It's from the Book of Moses. Here till then, Pastor AJ Espinosa. Peace. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.